Father in heaven, thank you so much for this time that you've given to us to come and study your word together, to fellowship, even though it be online. Lord, we know that your presence is with us. And we just ask by faith, because you've promised that if we ask in your name, that you are more than willing, you're more than happy to give the Holy Spirit to them that ask. So Lord, we are asking for a double portion of your spirit even now. With courage, with faith, we ask, because Lord, we want to come away from this message knowing that we have been in your presence. So Lord, please give me your words. I don't want to speak my words. I don't want to offend people with my words. I need yours, Lord. And I pray that you'd speak through me, that the words that we listen to might be straight from your throne of grace and mercy this evening. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the study that we'll be studying this evening is Jesus's encounter with the man by the pool of Bethesda. Let's go to our first text there, shall we? John chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. The Bible says this, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. So Jesus, he's now in Jerusalem and he goes by this pool and this place where it has five porches, five coverings where people are allowed to gather around and and lay there and come under the tent during the heat of the day. And he walks by this place, Bethesda, called the House of Kindness, and there's gathered there all sorts of sick people, just the sick. And then we continue. Verse 4, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Now look, we don't know whether this was true or not, whether this was just simply tradition, but did really People, they, did they really get healed when they went into this water because this angel went and troubled the water there and as a result they got healed? Or was that really just tradition and no one really knows whether people got healed or not? It probably was more likely tradition. But this is what gave the people there hope. This is the reason why they were gathering around this pool. Superstition is what we would call it in our days. Or just pure fairy tale, isn't it? But let's keep going. Verse 5. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. This man had been lying there for thirty-eight years. Can you imagine that? Being sick for thirty-eight years. We can begin to understand the desperation in his heart because of what he was going through. He was now a grown man. Maybe he got this disease when he was 20 years old. And that at this time, he must have been about 58, close to 60 years old. But this man had just been lying there, 38 years old. Some of you that I'm preaching to this evening have not even reached the number 30. Never mind 38, closer to 40. But this man... 38 years, he'd been sick. 
What does the Bible say next? When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there now a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? Jesus asks this man, Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be healed? Why does he ask him this though? I mean, from his side, we know that Jesus is always willing to heal whoever comes to him. He doesn't turn anybody away who is sick. He will always heal them. Look at what it says in Mark chapter 1 and verse 41. The Bible says, Jesus, he was moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, I will be thou clean. Jesus, he is always willing. He is always willing to heal people. But then why does he come to this man and ask, do you want to be whole? I mean, he's lying there. He's by the this pool that apparently heals people. It's an obvious question, isn't it? And there's an obvious answer to it as well. Jesus, of course I want to be whole. That was the whole reason why I'm gathered here. This is the reason why I've been lying in here, lying here. And on top of that, Jesus was the one that approached him, right? I mean, in Mark chapter 1, when you go back to that encounter and look at it, the leper is the one that comes to Jesus seeking for healing and seeking for help. But here, Jesus... He's the one that's approached the man. He knows he's sick and, and he asks the man, do you want to be whole? However, look, there are some that are too sick. You know, we can't always go to Jesus. So Jesus does come to us. But yet, we still have to make the effort in a sense. He's asking and he's waiting. There is a part for them to play as well. It's not just simply Jesus is going to wave his hand like a magic wand and everybody in that area is going to be just healed like that. No. Jesus did not want people to think by chance that they were healed. There's a reason why Jesus goes through these steps. And so he asks the man, do you want to be whole? Let's keep going. John chapter 5 verse 7. How does the man respond? The impotent man answered him, saying, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled, to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. You know, Jesus asked the question, Do you want to be whole? And instead of replying, Yes, of course I want to be whole. Heal me, Jesus. This crippled man gives all the reasons as to why he can't be made whole. All hope is centered on the pool. That's the reason why he's there. The pool is that which is meant to be stirred by the angel that makes people well. And on top of that, he doesn't have anyone to help him. He's too slow. Someone else always jumps in before he does. His focus is on the wrong thing. He just gives all the reasons. And I, and I, can, uh, I can relate to this man because, you know, when Jesus would ask me a question, I'll give all the reasons why I couldn't be healed. But Jesus, how does he respond to this man? When he starts throwing out all the excuses, what does he say? Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. Instead of replying to his response, Jesus simply just gives him a command. Get up, 
Take up your bed and walk. With the power of his word, Jesus heals this man. But before we continue to dig deeper and look at this situation, let's just read the next verse first, okay? Let's go to John chapter 5 and verse 9. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. So when Jesus gives him the command, immediately the man, he rises up, he takes up his bed, and he begins to walk. Now, look, let's have a look at how this man is healed, okay? Here's the order. Jesus issues the command. He hears it, the the crippled man hears it, and he is simply made whole, takes up his bed, and walk. Now, we need to dig into this healing to understand a few things in regard to our own experience and even his. Here's the question that I have for you, friends. Number one, did the crippled man feel healed? Did he feel whole before he got up and walked? Did he feel like his muscles all of a sudden had this surge of energy which he had never felt before? How does someone feel healed? I mean, I want you to think about this for a second. Maybe if you have a migraine, a headache, all right, and it's just painful and, you know, and you can't think and it's just really, you know, pressing on your brain there and it's just painful and Jesus heals you, you you can feel healed right away, correct? Or if you have a cut and you're bleeding, you know, the other week I cut off my my nail while I was trying to uh, help my wife cut some veggies. I cut off my nail and it started bleeding. You can feel the pain straight away. As soon as the oxygen touches that raw skin, bang, it, it feels painful. And if Jesus healed that, you can feel healed straight away. But a person that is crippled, that they have this infirmity, um, for 38 years, they, they can't walk. They can feel their limbs, but they just can't walk. There's no, there's no power in them to walk, right? So how do you feel that you're stronger? How did this man feel before he got up and go, said, I mean, before he said, yes, I'm better, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk. How did he feel? Did he feel this surge of energy running through his body before he acted upon it? Now, this is the thing, friend, before, for those that exercise, before, for those that like bench press or, you know, how, how much can you carry? How much can you lift? You don't know until you try, right? You don't know. So did this man suddenly feel strong that he was able to walk and that, you know, yeah, 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 I, I, I can carry my own body weight, right? No, friends, that's not how it happened. You see, he was lying down and he had no idea if he could walk or not. He was made whole by the word of Jesus, absolutely. It was not his strength and and him doing it. There's no doubt about that. But however, the crippled man, he did not know that he was made whole until he tried to stand at the command of Jesus. And this is where he really comes to a crossroad, okay? Look, you're the crippled man. I want you to put yourself in his shoes for a second. Jesus comes to you who has been lying there for 38 years, okay? You're this crippled man and he comes to you and asks you, do you want to be healed or not? And you tell him, oh, there's no one to help me into the pool and at the right time. And you you, you know, maybe you're thinking what? Jesus is going to come and help me. 
and bring me to the edge of the pool and lift me in at the right time so I can be healed, right? This is why he's here. Then all of a sudden, Jesus says to you, rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, could we have reason to doubt? You don't know this man. You don't know who he is. Out of, a, out of the blue, all of a sudden, he just says, do you want to be whole? And he then says what? Rise, take up your bed and walk. I'd say to him, Jesus, can't you see I'm a cripple? I need someone to help me to the pool. If I could walk, I wouldn't need your help at all. You see that? However, on the other side of the coin, of course, is the experience of what this man went through. He heard the word of Jesus. Man, rise up, take up your bed, and walk. He heard the word of Jesus. He believed the word of Jesus. And then what? How do we know that he believed? He actually tried to get up and walk. Instead of throwing out all the doubts, Jesus, hello, can you, can't you see? I'm a cripple. I can't. It's not like he had his legs chopped off and all of a sudden his legs grew back like, oh, and then he got up and walked. No, he had all his limbs there. He just couldn't walk. But how do we know that he believed? He actually tried. And here is the really important truth behind all that we're looking at here. You see, yes, he was made whole by the word of God. And yes, he believed. But his part was in trying. He was healed in the trying. In the process of trying, he was made whole. He was healed by faith from God's word. Yes, but how do we know he had faith? He actually moved his leg. Or maybe he used his arms first and turned. We don't really know, but he began to try. And from the moment he began to move, God began to work in him, to strengthen him, and made him whole. But the effort by itself, of course, is not enough. Maybe he had, he, he had tried this for 38 years and it didn't work, right? Tried and tried and tried. The legs just did not work until Jesus came and he spoke those words and he believed every word that Jesus spoke to him. Rise, take up your bed and walk. Now, friends, I want to remind you that Jesus, what he said to this man, man was a command. It wasn't a promise. He didn't go, now you can do it. Now you, yes, yes, yes. Just, just trust me, okay? Just trust my word. You want to be made whole? Just trust me. No. He said, man, rise. Take out your bed and walk. Every single thing of what Jesus said in that sentence was a command. And it, when it comes to the Bible, many times we don't like commands. We don't like commandments, isn't it? You know? We don't like the words from the Bible that tells us what to do. We like all the promises that, you know, He will heal you. Jesus is coming again. He will forgive you. We like all those promises that seem so nice. But, you know, this was something that He really found hard to do because He just couldn't do it. And many of us, we find hard to do even the Ten Commandments. 
you know, most of us, we don't like to stop lying. We don't, we don't like to stop stealing or, or like to stop committing adultery. We, we know its benefits to us when we don't have money or when we're hungry or, you know, when our carnal nature gets the better of us. It feels good. But there are habits in our lives that, you know, many of us, we want to overcome, that we know are bad for us. You know, some of us, we don't want to stop lying. And, and, and this is not the, the sort of person that we're talking about right now. It's a man that was crippled and, and he wanted to be made whole. And he heard the word of Jesus as a command and he actually tried. And there are many of us, maybe there are experiences that we've gone through that have made you feel like this crippled man. You know that you shouldn't have done this, but you did. And now... You're wanting to have a different life. You're wanting to have a different experience, but you're not capable of it because you put yourself into it. Because too many of us, we enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, but we've seen now the bitter results that sin yields, not only in the future life, but even in the present life that we're living in. Maybe it's because of that lie that you continue and you couldn't stop lying that, that had put you in prison. And now, the command of Jesus comes to us and says, thou shalt not bear false witness. And you know, that, that command does not come to us as a command to condemn us. You got to understand that. It com comes as a promise to us that you can actually change and stop lying. Do you see that? That's how this man viewed the command of Jesus. But dare I say, if Jesus was alive today and he said that to us, we would say to Jesus, now, 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 come on, Jesus. Stop trying to make us work our way to be healed. You just got to come and do it all. No. Even in last week's lesson that we looked at, he told the man to go, no, pardon me. <laughs> he, he, he healed the man, but he had to lead him out of the city, right? The man had to be willing to follow Jesus. There's always a part for us to play in our own healing. And in this case, it is very obvious. Jesus comes to the man and says, rise. He gives us the command and the man believes him. That's where the faith comes in. And then he tries. That's where the works come in. James 2.20, faith without works is dead, right? And so in the process of trying, his faith was made perfect, his faith was made whole, and through that, when the man finally was able to stand on his feet, he didn't go, now, now, everybody, look at what I've done. I healed myself. No, that's not what happened. When people came up to him and said, uh, how are you walking? It's because of me. It's because of me. No, he did not take the praise. But he would have never been healed had he not tried. And that's, I think, the problem that we, we find in our, in our own experience, that we, we, we try in our own strength. That's where righteousness by works is. But when Jesus tells you to walk, and then you try walking, and you're able to walk, you're not healed because I actually tried and I'm some amazing magician or some, some healer myself. I tried for 38 years. I couldn't walk. 
So not at this very moment, after 38 years, this man tells me, get up and walk. Am I going to start thinking, oh, Ben, I can actually start walking on my own. Let me go make a business of healing. No, not for a second. This man knew very, very clearly what and who had healed him. It wasn't him. But there was still a part for him to play. And that's what I'm trying to draw out, friends. We will never be saved in indolence. We will never be saved by just sitting there listening to the Word of God. Let me give you some other areas that come to us as commands. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. In Mark 16, it's preach. And many of us, we never want to try. We never want to try. Tomorrow, we are having a first-time preacher for closing sundown devotion. I hope you come and join us. Because I know in the process of trying, it's not that I need to preach a message. But I know that when Jesus tells me this, there's some benefit for me too. There's healing involved in my life as well. Some of us, we don't have a deep enough relationship with Jesus because we reject all the opportunities to teach. And look, <laughs> in Dak and Sack, I'm not teaching and preaching all the time. <laughs> Quite the contrary. In Sabbath school, I am pretty much invisible, okay? In Sack, uh, I don't run any of our small groups. I only come together and teach whenever I'm there. In Dak, my brother, David, as the elder, he's able to teach and uh, they can run on, my, uh, on its own. It's wonderful. I don't need to teach all the time and I'm happy with that. You know, uh, our churches don't have, you know, the top-notch teachers, but I'll, I'll tell you what our churches have. People that are willing to try. And I know that in the process of trying, Maybe they don't realize it. Maybe all of you that have been teaching, you don't realize it, how much you're blessed by it. But I know that I am. I know that because of all that I've been allowed to share, the privilege of sharing, it's God has helped me so much. And, uh, you know, friends, maybe what you need to do this evening is go beyond your comfort zone. You know, we think, God's given me talents. God's given me an area that I know that I can serve in. I can't speak. I'm a person for the background. You know, I'll do the dishes. I'll mop the floor. That's my talent. You know, I'll cook. That's worth 10 talents, Pastor. But just don't get me to teach or don't get me to preach. Friends, that's the gospel commission. Jesus gave it to all of us. And I'm telling you, in the process of trying you will see how God pours out His blessings upon you so much that He will work a miracle. We are saved in the trying, not just in the sitting and listening. Look, don't misunderstand me. In James chapter 2, when it talks about Abraham and it says he was, he was, you know, faith is important and all he did was believe God and it was counted to him for righteousness, that's Genesis 15. I understand those texts. But we know that his faith was not perfect until Genesis 20, where 
he was called to sacrifice his son. I forget now, was that Genesis 22? I think it was, pardon me. But you see, in the process of putting forth our effort to obey God, God gives us the strength and the power to actually do it. And not for a second do I think, oh, I am someone amazing because I've overcome my sin now. No, no, no. No, 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 friends. You got to try. And I'm afraid that just some, so many of us, we, we give too many excuses as to why we can't do it. And if there's anybody that had the excuse, it would have been the man that had been sitting there for 38 years. Jesus, I've never moved in this past 38 years. You're being unreasonable. You're giving me false hope. What, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to mock me? You know? He could have said so many things, but he didn't. He put forward the earnest effort. Jesus, you said I could do it. I'm going to try. And as he tried, he was healed. And so friends, I want you to try this evening. And uh, you don't know where to begin? Start praying. Join us. Sunday morning, and I'm sorry, those are those are closed for our churches. These, uh, I I think there's a you know there's a daily prayer that's been moving forward um, in Malaysia here at eight thirty, I believe, or eight p.m. But um, this one is strictly just for our churches. I apologize for that. But you got to begin as you begin to pray. God will show you your duty. He will give you a command for sure, for sure. But now let's come back to the story, shall we? John chapter 5, and now we're reading verses, pardon me, verse 10 is correct, uh, verse 9, pardon me. And immediately the man was made whole and took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. So Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath, right? Now let's continue. The Jews therefore said unto him that was cured, It is a Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. He answered them, He that made me whole, the same said unto me, Take up thy bed and walk. Then asked they him, What man is that which said unto thee, Take up thy bed and walk? So the Jews, they began to cry out. Instead of seeing the man that is healed, that could never walk for 38 years, all they care about is that he's breaking the Sabbath. And, and what, what part of the Sabbath were they breaking? You know, Yes, Jesus healed on the Sabbath, but you know, this man, he was so happy to carry his bed. The fact that he could carry his bed and walk off was just a testament that Jesus had healed him, that he had been healed. But all they simply looked at is, he is carrying his bed. He's carrying his bed. And you know what's so interesting? This bed was not like a mattress. It wasn't like this thick mattress and he would just be lying there with the springs on it and all that. I don't even think such a thing had been had existed back then yet, you know? It was just a cloth and he rolled it up and walked off. That's all he did. But these people, they were just ready to condemn him. How dare you carry your bed? Not looking at the bigger picture of what had actually just happened. But let's look at this Sabbath issue for a second, you know. Why? Because people, they like to quote this part of the text, this part of the passage in relation to, oh, you know, these people, you see, they're too religious to keep the Sabbath. You see, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be like that. But friends, did Jesus really break the Sabbath by healing on the Sabbath? 
No, absolutely not. He came to show us how it was lawful to do good on the Sabbath and it should be lawful for us to do good on the Sabbath today as well. Instead of seeing the healed man, all they saw was him carrying the bed. And look, friends, it is different for a doctor to go to the hospital, to work in the hospital on the Sabbath, to get their salary, than it is for a doctor on the way to church seeing an accident or seeing someone sick on the roadside and stopping them and bringing them to the hospital not being paid for it, or, or coming home from church after lunch and, and then they see that person, a person that's sick by the roadside and they bring him into their home or, and they seem like they're working as a doctor. That's different. It's different. Jesus' custom was that he would go to church, to the synagogue on the Sabbath. And he was also found doing good on the Sabbath as well, not sleeping on the Sabbath afternoon because they had to catch up with their sleep and their rest that they had lost throughout the six other days. No, friends, that's a big difference, isn't it? It's lawful to do good on the Sabbath. And dare I say, making it lawful, it seems like a command that we should put forth earnest effort in doing as well, being a blessing, being a blessing. And so no, friends, Jesus was not changing the Sabbath. He was not changing how we keep the Sabbath. It was a people that were bringing it up because they had misconstrued the understanding and idea of what could and could not be done on the Sabbath day. And so these people ask him, who was it that healed you, that commanded you to carry your bed on the Sabbath? They didn't ask about the healing, actually. They just said, who commanded you to carry your bed on the Sabbath? Let's go back to our text, shall we? And he that was healed, John 5, 13, wist not. He didn't know who it was. For Jesus had conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. So even the man, he did not know who it was that healed him. He had got so excited that he was actually healed, that he could walk, that he probably just jumped up and walked off. And when he turned around, Jesus had already disappeared. He didn't even know. He didn't know. Let's keep going. Verse 14. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. Jesus, he meets this guy in the temple. He meets him there and he gives him a very, very solemn warning. You're whole but make sure you don't keep sinning unless a worse thing comes upon you. You know, we only find out at the end that the reason why this guy had been sitting there for 38 years was not because he was born disabled, but it was actually something that he had done before that that caused him to be like this. You know, something that he had been doing, some secret sin maybe, that had put him in this predicament and this situation to be disabled. I don't know what he did. But you know, from a human standpoint, when we look at this guy that we understand his history, we would have said, well, this man got what he deserved. You reap what you sow. But you know, friends, there are instances, just instances that Jesus, he heals us from these situations. He gives his grace to us. He puts his healing power upon us. Not that we can go back to living our old life. 
Not that we can have an excuse. Jesus healed me and I must have been some good man that that deserved Jesus' grace, that he brought his grace upon me. You see, I donated all these millions of dollars to the church. That's not the reason why. It was just simply his grace, his mercy that spared this man from lying there for the rest of his life. But it did not give him the excuse and the reason to go back to his old life of sin and keep doing the thing that he had done that put him in this situation for 38 years. No. Jesus showed him grace and mercy first. Yes. But then he says to him, just because he healed, don't despise my grace. Oh, but look at what he actually says. Thou art made whole. Let me show you the verse. Thou art made whole. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto you. Jesus warned this man. And it wasn't just a warning. But the fact that Jesus said it, he could do it. Not because of himself, but because of the words of Christ. Sin no more. Stop sinning. Or what we would say today, be ye therefore perfect. You must gain victory over sin unless a worse thing come upon you. Look, that was not Paul. That was not John. That was not Matthew. That was Jesus speaking who actually said the words, sin, no, more. The fact that he said it means that we can do it. It's a promise. Just like how rise, take up your bed and walk was a command, here now is a command as well. Let me tell you, behold, you're made whole. Sin no more. That's a command. Don't do it. Yes, it might have been a warning, but I'm telling you, the fact that Jesus said, sin no more, it is proof and evidence and fact that a person can stop sinning. And if you don't agree with me, you're arguing with Jesus. You're not arguing with me. You're not arguing with my theology background. You're not, it's not about where I, was, I came from or anything. I'm quoting to you the Bible, friends. Jesus gave a command, sin no more. And the fact that he gives us this command is evidence enough that you can stop sinning right now, today, wherever you are. You just got to believe him. How long did it take for this man to be whole? It didn't take but a split second. He was made whole that very instance. And he could stop sinning that very instance as well. How do I know? Why? Because the Word of God is just that powerful, friends. It just is. And then Jesus doesn't stop there. He gives the warning though, lest a worse thing come upon you. And this is what we are told in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 20 to 22. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and this is what this man experienced. Yet they are entangled again therein and are overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it 
to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the soul that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. Friends, Jesus does not give us his grace so that we can go and keep on sinning. He does not give us his his grace to excuse sin, but to destroy sin, to cleanse it away, to get rid of it totally. He gives us His grace and mercy so that we can have a new life in Christ. And when the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. He came to give us life that we might have it more abundantly, not to go back to the life of sin. And then He throws at us all His promises. And you know, friends, what is a spiritual application to rise, take up your bed, and walk? What is that? It's found in Romans chapter 6, verse 4. Look at this. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should what? Walk in what? Newness of life. Jesus wants us to get up and be baptized into a new life not to go back to our old sin, but now with power to come out whenever we feel like it. No, friends. He wants us to be different. He wants you to be different this evening. He wants you to put your old life behind you. He wants to give you a new mind, a new heart, new purposes, new desires. He wants the whole man and the whole woman to be totally different. This man, I tell you, when you sit there for 38 years and you don't exercise those muscles, they get very small very quickly. I don't think he just got up and walked on his bones. I believe that Jesus did give him his muscles back. And I don't think they were, you know, they were just sticks, no. He needed some ligaments and tendons. And when you don't use those legs for 38 years, some things just begin to erode away. And I'm telling you, it takes months for some people to regain their their walking um, ability. But this man, he just got up and he took the bed and walked off. He looked totally different. I don't think, you know, his hair was just combed and it was all gelled up and looking nice and sharp and he had a suit on after that, just like that. No, but I'm telling you, his legs were different. And the muscles that we have right here should be exercised in a different way when the grace of God touches your heart. Jesus wants you to be different, friends. Old things should pass away. Everything should become new. When a person is baptized in Christ, they go under the water. Every part of their body is touched with that water. Every part of our life should be different. And I want to be different tonight, friends. I need to be different. I need to be a different person for my children, for my wife, for the church. I need that. And I'm so glad that Jesus is so merciful that you might have just yesterday been an unfaithful follower of Christ. But tonight, if you give your life to Him and say, God, I heard the word. 
And I heard the command. Go. Sin no more. He can make you different right now. Yes, the promises in the Bible are all for us. Jude 1.24 Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. I'm sorry, I don't have that last verse there. But it says, To the only wise God, our Father, be glory and majesty. And he gives us that power both what? Now. Now. And forever. Amen. He is able to keep us from falling right now. He wants you to be different. But you just got to start exercising your mind in that direction. Jesus says in the early morning, if you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. And just don't give you an excuse like, I, I am an early bird. I'm, I mean, I'm a night owl, pardon me. I'm not an early bird. Just bend the energies of your mind. And I'm telling you, Christ will give you the strength. He will. And then you'll find out sooner or later, I just got to get to bed early. It's not healthy for me. It's not healthy for my family. It's not healthy for whoever I'm, I, I'm with. That means I've got I, I to close shop early. I've I, I got to stop all these things earlier. Yes, friends, we make things time for things that are important to us. So you got to try. You got to try. And I'm telling you, in the trying, God will give you the victory. Stop making excuses. Stop telling Jesus, I can't do this because, and I can't do that because. Just tell Jesus, I heard it. I heard what you said. I'm going to try. And in the process of trying, you know what happens. Sometimes it's not perfectly, you know, just happens. You, you figure out there's some other parts of your life you've got to adjust. And as you, you know, talk to people and God brings people in your life, you realize, oh, I, I need to incorporate that part into my life. So it's not that just like that, it'll be perfect. But I know that as we try, God will give us the wisdom to figure it out. You just got to be willing to try this evening. And so, may God give us a willing heart. Really, that's what we need, isn't it? God will be able to give us a willing heart to will and to do of His good pleasure. So friends, are you willing to say with me this evening, God, help me to stop making excuses. Help me just to try today. To be willing, to be made willing. Is that your desire? I know that's mine. Because I know that there's no power within me that can change me into a better husband and a better father and a better pastor. I just need the grace of God. And when the command comes, God, please, help me not to make any excuses, but to just move forward in faith and try to the best of my ability. Let's pray, shall we? Father in heaven, thank you so much for this story. And Lord, many times we give you excuses as to why we can't do this, why we can't do that. And Lord, eventually we excuse ourselves out of righteousness and heaven itself. But this evening, Lord, we want to become like Jesus. We need your grace and your mercy. 
the ever-ready presence of your Spirit that administer that grace to us. But Lord, I believe that many of us have received that grace already. And we received the, the mighty working power of your Word in our lives. But we've just sat back and we've made too many excuses. Lord, help us to put aside our own human wisdom. Help us to trust you. Help us to believe that you have best intentions and the best in mind for each and every one of us. Help us to be willing to not just taste, but willing to move forward beyond just the hearing of the word this evening. That we would rise and take up our beds and walk, even on this Sabbath hours as well. Lord, forgive us where we've fallen short. Help us not to go back, but always help us to move forward. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.